Let us hear the word of God. Chapter 9, 2 Corinthians. Now it is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints. For I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year. Your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I am sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter, so that you may be ready as I said you would be. Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing of you for being so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised so that it may be ready for a willing gift, not an exaction. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you, because of the surpassing grace of God is upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Amen. Thanks, Ted. Now, we just read one chapter out of the two for the sake of time, but we will be looking at both chapters 8 and 9 this morning. So I encourage you to have, have a Bible out with you if you're able so you can follow along. And uh, I'm going to pray and ask that God would help us as we look at this part of his word. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, thank you for this part of your word and thank you for your generosity to us. Please help us to understand this part of your word and Lord, use it to stir our hearts in wonder at the gospel and in generosity that overflows to others. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's talk about money. It's a bit awkward, right? It might make you squirm a little bit. And after all, I don't think we really like talking about money. Maybe it's because there's something a little awkward about it. Money is something that's quite private. It's personal. We're always on the lookout for people who want to scam us or take our money or guilt us out of our hard-earned cash. Our defences are up. Maybe it's because when it comes to money, we're embarrassed. Churches have a bad rep for being all about money. And to be fair, there are some churches and so-called pastors out there who do prey upon people for money, selling false teaching to line their own pockets. Maybe it's because we feel guilty. The statistics are that if you have sufficient food, decent clothes, live in a house or apartment and have a reasonably reliable means of transport, then we are in the top 15% wealthiest people in the world. Are we using our wealth in a way that reflects what God has done for us in Jesus? That question stings. There are all sorts of reasons why we might not want to talk about money, but Paul has no such scruples. In fact, For Paul, talking about money and giving shouldn't be an awkward thing. It should be a joyful, a cheerful and exciting thing. In fact, the great grace that God has shown us in the gospel can and should overflow in radical, heartfelt, voluntary, joyful, sacrificial generosity to others for God's glory. This isn't something that Paul's trying to guilt us into. Even this kind of generosity is a gift of God's great grace to us. Paul needs to address this because he wants to make sure that his struggles with the Corinthians won't affect the collection that he's making for suffering believers. Remember, Paul's writing this letter to the church in Corinth because things are hard. Their relationship is strained. They're disappointed with Paul and other teachers are trying to lead them away from Paul and away from the gospel. And so Paul, he writes this letter to call them to stick with the gospel and to stick with their partnership with him. But just last week we saw Paul rejoice in the godly grief of the Corinthians that led them to repentance. In fact, because of this work of God in their lives, Paul seems confident that his relationship with the Corinthians will be restored. And so, on the basis of that confidence, Paul now turns to the matter of the collection. Now, around this time of history, there were several really serious famines across the ancient world. This was particularly hard on the people of Israel and and many of the Christians in Judea were really suffering. So Paul and a bunch of the Gentile Christians, the Gentile churches around the ancient world, they were gathering up a collection to provide relief to the believers in Judea. You can read about it in Acts chapter 11 from verse 27. 
The, the Corinthians, they'd heard about it and they'd asked Paul to join in. And so Paul encouraged them back in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 to start setting aside funds so they'd be ready when he came. And now the time is nearly here. So Paul writes them, he wants them to make sure that they're ready, that they will put their money where their mouth is, literally. And as he writes to the Corinthians about money to get them ready for the collection, we'll find that this is important for us too. Not because Paul's guilting us into something, but because like the Corinthians in the gospel, God gives us grace to be generous too. Now, these are big chapters, so we're going to have to fly through them pretty quickly. We're going to see six things about how God gives us grace to be generous. First, Paul says that through the gospel, we have grace to give eagerly. Paul tells the Corinthians how God's grace has made the believers in Macedonia eager to give generously. Look in chapter 8, verse 1. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. See, the Macedonian believers are doing it tough. They're facing serious persecution for following Jesus, and they're really poor. They don't have much to spare. But the gospel has worked on their hearts. God has worked on their hearts. There's that old joke that the hip pocket is the last part of a person to get converted. But that's not true for the Macedonians. Their abundance of joy in the gospel has overflowed in this wealth of generosity. They've given generously. And this is God's work in their lives. Paul says it's God's grace to them. They've grabbed hold of the gospel of all that God has generously given us in Jesus and has led them to be generous in their giving too. It's not because they were guilty about it. In fact, they were eager to be involved in the collection. Look in verse 3. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord begging us earnestly for the favour of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. The Macedonians, they went above and beyond in their giving because they were giving first to the Lord and then to Paul and the others who were acting as God's messengers. But the striking thing here is their attitude, right? They begged for the favour, the word is literally grace, of being involved in this collection. What if the gospel made us eager to give like that? What if instead of passing the bag around during the collection awkwardly looking away, the collection was a time of great joy where we celebrated being able to give? What if people came to St. John's to do a mission spot and then they're mobbed with so many people after church saying, please, please give us an opportunity to give to support this work. What if we were excited to be generous like that? Now, I actually do want to encourage you in this. I actually think St. John's is a generous church and I'm really thankful for that. 
Through COVID, rather than go down, your giving and your generosity increased. Your generosity is an encouragement to me as you support the work of our church in proclaiming Jesus Christ to present everyone mature in him. Thank you for the gospel generosity that God has produced in your heart. That's what the gospel has done in the lives of the Macedonians too. They were poor. They've got a really good excuse not to give. But they give above and beyond their means. And this is a work of God's grace in their hearts. That's what the gospel should produce in us too. God has given to us so generously. He's even given us his own son. This should change the way we think about everything. And especially the way that we give. Paul encourages the Corinthians to do the same, to give eagerly. He tells them to finish the collection, to show their love for others by excelling in giving. Verse 7. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. The gospel gives us grace to love others by giving eagerly. The gospel also gives us grace to give sacrificially. God has given sacrificially and generously to us. That's what Paul reminds them of in verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Paul packs so much into this awesome little summary of the gospel. This is how God has shown his grace to us, not just in warm, fuzzy feelings, but in self-sacrificial action. Our Lord Jesus Christ is God the Son. He is the one who lived with God for eternity past in heaven with all the wealth and the wonders of heaven at his disposal. But for our sake, he became poor. He took on flesh as a human baby, a real human baby with knees and elbows and a runny nose. He was born into a poor family, probably not dirt poor. Joseph was a carpenter, but he was born into a family that was far from wealthy, far from the wealth he knew. And not only that, but he willingly lived a difficult life, a life of calling God's people to repent and turn to God, of facing mocking and persecution and trouble, eventually facing beating and torture and death on a cruel Roman cross. He did it all for us. He bore the punishment on the cross that you and I deserve for our sin. He paid for our rebellion against God and he did it all so that you and I might be made rich. He bears our penalty for sin. We get to share in the riches of his righteousness. We get adopted as God's sons and daughters. We share in God's great inheritance. Jesus willingly became poor so that through faith in him, we can be made rich. And the generosity that Paul's talking about, it starts here. It starts with God's great grace and generosity to us. 
Paul isn't talking about giving money so that we can be right with God, as if we have to earn God's favour. He's talking about giving because God has already made us right with him through Jesus. He has already lavished his love and favour on us. Jesus has given to us willingly and sacrificially. So the gospel should change us to be people who also give willingly and sacrificially. That's what happened for the Corinthians. They wanted to give to the collection because of what God has done for them. So Paul encourages them to follow through. Verse 11. So now finish doing it as well. So that your readiness in desiring it might be matched by your completing it out of what you have. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. Uh, This is important here. The measure of gospel generosity is not giving a certain dollar value. It isn't even giving a certain percentage. It is giving sacrificially according to what you have. Now, it is worth noticing here that Paul doesn't talk about tithing anywhere in these two chapters. This is the biggest section on giving in the New Testament, and Paul doesn't mention it at all. Not once. Because I want to say, giving that is driven by the gospel is not about giving a certain percentage. It is not about keeping the Old Testament law, which when you added up all the tithes on special occasions and things, is actually far more than 10% anyway. Gospel generosity is about giving generously, even sacrificially, based on what you have. Now, for some people with a high disposable income, giving 10% might not even be something they notice. Giving sacrificially will mean more. For others, 10% might ruin them. Paul doesn't give us a figure because he says, whatever we decide to give is acceptable according to what we have. Do you remember Jesus watching the people put their offerings in the temple in Mark 12? People are emptying these huge bags of money into the, into the offering. And then a widow comes up and she gives two small coins. And Jesus says she is given more than all the others because she is given all she has. Where the others gave out of their riches and had plenty to spare. The question we need to ask isn't how much do I have to give? The question is... God has graciously and generously given me everything. How do I generously and sacrificially use all I have to care for others and to honour God? That is a much harder question for us to answer. Here's a suggestion. It's maybe a place to start. I say this to you as a suggestion, not as God's word. John Dixon suggests that we should be as generous to others as you are luxurious with yourself. What if you started adding up all the money that you spend on luxuries, things that you want rather than need, and then at least give that much away? If that means giving something up so that you can give more generously, then that's giving sacrificially. 
Paul doesn't want to use this to make the Corinthians suffer so that the believers in Jerusalem can live comfortably. He wants them to give from their overflow to meet the needs of others. In verse 14, he says that it's about fairness amongst God's people. It's about loving one another well from the surplus of what God has given us. Now, we here in Australia need to hear this. This should make us squirm. Remember what I said before, if we have those things, we're in the top 15 wealthiest percent of people in the world. Around the world, many of God's people don't live in the comfort that we do. Many of them are facing persecution, famine, war, poverty. How are we using our surplus, our overflow, to meet their want? It's worth thinking about. The gospel, it also gives us grace to give with integrity. Paul's conscious that he must act with absolute integrity when it comes to this collection. Look in verse 20. We take this course so that no one should blame us about this generous gift that is being administered by us. For we aim at what is honourable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. Paul wants to be above reproach. Not just before God, who sees the truth, but he wants to act with integrity before men as well. It's not just that he's done the right thing, it's important to him that he is seen to do the right thing. So that the offering might bring honour to God and adorn the gospel, not bring dishonour and turn people away. So what Paul's done is he's involved other trustworthy believers in the collection. Believers who've been appointed by the churches that are giving themselves. He describes this in verses 16 to 24. I'm only going to point out a couple of details you might like to follow along in your Bible. Paul's sending Titus, who's full of earnest care and love for the Corinthians. He's Paul's partner and fellow worker in the gospel. And he's also sending two brothers that he doesn't name. One is famous for his preaching of the gospel and he's been appointed by the churches. The other is one that Paul has found to be utterly reliable and earnest in every way. Paul is doing everything he can to make sure that the collection is handled in a way that is above reproach. Now as we give, we need to give with integrity. For us that does mean being faithful to give what we say we'll give. But it's more than that. It's being thoughtful about what we give too. And if we're involved in handling the donations of others, it's making sure that we are absolutely above reproach in the way that we handle that. Now here at St John's, we are very careful about this. Wall and I have nothing to do with the money in our church. It's handled by our committee of management. When the offering is counted, it's always more than one person. When decisions are made about how money is used, it's a committee of management working together. And every year we have an audit which is published to all of you as a congregation. It's important that we act with integrity, that we are above reproach, because failure in this would turn people away from the gospel. Paul also says the gospel gives us grace to give cheerfully. I think Paul's a little worried in this chapter. Paul's been bragging about how the Corinthians are so eager to give to the collection, how they've been ready since last year, but his relationship with the Corinthians has hit a rough patch. 
If they've given up on the collection, then Paul would be mighty embarrassed when he turns up with the Macedonians and the Corinthians have got nothing, let alone how the Corinthians would feel. So Paul sends these brothers on ahead to get the Corinthians ready. Look in chapter 9, verse 5. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and to arrange in advance for the gift that you have promised so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. Paul doesn't want the Corinthians to give out of obligation. He wants their gift to be a willing gift, a joyful gift. The word exaction here is is literally a greedy gift or a stingy gift. It's the kind of gift that you give because you have to, because you've been guilted into it. But that's not the kind of giving that the gospel produces. God gives us grace to give cheerfully. Verse 6. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Gospel generosity isn't stingy or guilty. It's not the result of being forced or manipulated into something. That's not Paul's goal. Gospel generosity is meant to be voluntary. It's meant to be cheerful. It's meant to be a heartfelt response that overflows from the wonderful grace and generosity of God to us in the gospel. Gospel generosity isn't deciding on an amount to give and then grumbling every time you have to hand it over. It's not giving what you think you have to give as an obligation. It's voluntary, cheerfully giving out of the abundance that God has given to you. And this makes sense for God's people because God himself is a cheerful, generous giver. He gave to us his own son, not because he had to, but because of his great love for us. And there is a great reward. Paul says there'll be a generous result for the one who sows generously. Paul's not saying that if you give money away, you'll get more back. Some people will tell you that. See, giving isn't just about what we get for ourselves. That's just another form of greed. Paul's saying that generous giving results in a generous result in our lives and in the lives of others. Our lives in terms of joy and others in terms of God's provision for them. What happens in your heart when you give? Is it cheerful and joyful? Is it something exciting, something you're eager to do? Or is it a chore? Is it a little bit painful every time? Do you imagine all the things that that money could have done for you? If that's you, then I want to say there's a simple antidote. Look again to the gospel. Look again at God's lavish, free, generous grace to you. Remember that you were destined to face his judgment. You were his enemy. He willingly, lovingly gave his own son for you so that you can be his beloved child, so that you can share in all the riches of Jesus' inheritance. And then repent. Be honest with God about what's happening in your heart and ask that he would give you grace to be generous and cheerful like he is.
In the gospel, we also have God's grace to give generously. The Corinthians might wonder whether they can afford to give, whether they've got enough for themselves. But Paul says even what they have to give has been given to them by God. God gives them everything they need to be generous. Makes sense with what Paul said so far in 2 Corinthians. Remember, we aren't sufficient in ourselves to live as God's people, to proclaim the gospel, to give generously. But God gives us all we need. He is the one who makes us sufficient. He will give us everything we need to serve him. Verse 8. God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. God doesn't leave us to our own devices. He doesn't demand something from us that we can't give. He provides everything that we need to live for him. It's there in verse 8. This is God's grace for giving for the Corinthians, but it's actually far broader than that. Just look at all the alls. God makes all grace abound to us, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, we may abound in every good work. This is a pretty broad thing. God gives us the grace so that we can serve him in all of our lives. He gives us all that we need to live as God's people. Through his Holy Spirit, he changes us to be more like Jesus. He works in our hearts to give us that cheerful, joyful generosity. He provides for us financially so that we can give generously to others. He provides for us fellowship so that we can be encouraged to live for him. He provides for us his word. He gives us everything that we need. Everything we need so we can be generous like the righteous man from Psalm 112 verse 9 who responds to God's grace by giving generously to others. Verse 10, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. God enriches us in every way, not so we can live it up, not for our own comfort and pleasure, although we can and should enjoy good things that God gives us. But God gives us these things so that we can be generous, so that we can cheerfully, joyfully, generously love others. All the wealth that we enjoy as those who live here in Australia isn't just for us. It's for us to share for us to be generous in every way with those who don't have what we have. And all of this is grace to give for God's glory. All this is meant to produce thanksgiving to God for his glory. Verse 12. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of the, your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. 
All God's people in Judea will pour out their thanks to God for his generosity to them through the believers in Corinth. They will glorify God because all of this is his surpassing grace to his people. Grace that has stirred them to be generous and given given them all that they need to give cheerfully, joyfully and sacrificially. Notice also that the giving of the Corinthians will strengthen the bonds between God's people. The believers in Judea will long for and pray for the Gentile believers around the ancient world because they have seen God's work in their lives. Ultimately, gospel generosity doesn't come from us. It's God's work of grace in our hearts through the gospel. And it's actually not ultimately about us. It's about God's glory as God's people rejoice in his generosity and grace through his people. And so it's fitting that Paul ends by glorifying God. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. It might be awkward for us to talk about money. Maybe it's been awkward this morning. But it doesn't have to be. In fact, through the gospel... It doesn't have to be awkward. It can be a joyful thing, a rich thing. God's grace at work in our hearts so that we can give eagerly, sacrificially, with integrity, cheerfully, generously, and for God's glory. (coughs) Maybe this morning you don't feel that way. Let me encourage you, see again the gospel. Rejoice again in God's great generosity to us in Jesus. Though he was rich, For our sake he became poor, so that we might have all the riches of God. Thank God. Pray that he would work in your heart that you might cheerfully, joyfully, generously give in a way that reflects him. That's his work of grace in our hearts. By the Holy Spirit, he will enrich us in every way, so that we might be generous in every way. For our joy for the thanks of others, and ultimately for his glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you for your great generosity to us in the Lord Jesus. Thank you that though he was rich, he became poor for our sake, so that we might have all the riches that you give us through him that we might be adopted as your sons and daughters, that we might be forgiven and given eternal life, that we might have great joy in him. Father, thank you for your cheerful, generous, sacrificial generosity to us. Please stir our hearts that we too might be people who give generously and sacrificially out of all you've given to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.